0: Half the time I come home and I'm going through the photos and I'm thinking, I don't remember taking that, don't remember (laughs) taking it, but but I love that, I, I just, I love the fact that after all these years I can still get excited about being on the street.
1: Hey everyone, you're listening to the 2M Creative Labs podcast. On this episode, we have John Hughes, UK based street photographer working mostly in Cambridge and London. We reached out to him after hearing his name mentioned by Joe Manalo, another street photographer in Winnipeg. We talk about how to get over the fear of confrontation in the street, how to stay motivated doing the same thing every day, and whether you should crop your photos. Be sure to check out some of his work and hope you enjoy the episode. Um, Hey, everybody, again, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Today, we've got a special guest that's not from Winnipeg. We've got John Hughes, and maybe we could just have you introduce who you are and what you do.
0: Yeah. um, Well, first off, thanks for asking me to be on the podcast. Um, And yeah, so I'm a street photographer based in the UK, mostly shoot in London and Cambridge. Um, I also write blogs, do reviews, and yeah, pretty much that's, that's about it.
1: <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah, we first heard of you from Joe. Uh, he's a huge street photographer in our city, in Canada, and he he named a couple names of his inspirations, and we thought we'd reach out. So we want to ask, so how did you get into street photography?
0: Oh, wow. Uh, that goes back to uh, when I was about 12 years old. So over 30 years ago now, um, I was doing photography in school and I wasn't too interested in taking photos. It was more about the process, the dark darkroom, um, smell of the chemicals and that kind of thing. Um, and then our photography teacher, Mr. Littlewood, took us to London and we had an assignment to take, I think it was 24 or 26 photographs of either churches or cathedrals and through the process of doing that, coming back to school, developing the film, uh, getting the prints printed, Mr. Littlewood sat and talked through my photographs and said, I was a street photographer. But to a 12, 13-year-old child, I had no idea what he meant. And then he started showing me work by Cartier-Bresson, Helen Lovett, and that and those kind of photographers. Because I was more drawn when we, were in London, when we went to London to photograph I was more drawn to people sitting on the steps of a cathedral or a church and having the lunch, or a couple kissing. That sort of interested me more than the the architecture. And yeah, from there, uh, it was Bruce Davidson was the photographer that I sort of connected with more than anything else. And... Man, seeing his mm-hmm. photographs, and yeah, there was just something about him. I was kind of like, as, as a child, I just remember looking at them and thinking, that's what I want to do. I want mm-hmm. to do that. And that was it. It was just from that moment on. And my, I was lucky, my photography teacher, because um, my, my parents, not really too interested to them, there was no sort of career in it. So they wouldn't buy a camera or any, or any of the gear. And my photography teacher... Um, lent me his camera, which was a Leica M3. At least I think it was an M3. Uh, So I actually did photography uh, for four years, shooting with a Leica M3, a 50 f2 uh, Leica lens. And yes, I did my GCSEs and sitting guilds at the same time, which is kind of your high school qualifications. Then I went on and did A-levels, which is over here we call it sixth form and then I did a degree in photography and then I quit for years (laughs) I went up and did other things and I don't know, it was about 10 years ago and a friend of mine bought a camera, digital camera she had no idea how to use it and I picked it back up and within minutes I had the bug again, a week later I went and bought my own and I was back at it and I kind of, I really regret not continuing with it. I really do. But yeah, that's how I, that's how I got started and got started with street photography. So yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just something so, something that just draws me to the street. I don't know what it is.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, the, probably the, the the fact that I'm able to relax. I'm able just to put some, uh, I've got AirPods and I put them in and I can listen to a soundtrack to a movie or um, some Beethoven or something like that. And, yeah, just lose myself. And half the time, I, th- I, half the time I come home and I'm, I'm going through the photos and I'm th- thinking, I don't remember taking that. Don't remember <laughs> taking it. <laughs> but, it's, but I love that. I, I, I just I love the fact that after all these years, I can still get excited about being on the street. No kidding. It's crazy
1: how it found you again, like 10 years after, you know, putting that aside.
0: Yeah. It's, I guess, it, I, even my wife, and she said to me, she said, well, when you think about it, she said, every time we went out, didn't matter if was going shopping or whatever we was doing, you always had a camera with you. And it's true. <laughs> I always had like a little film camera or um, a little compact digital and when I started getting back into photography again, I started going back through and having a look at the photos that I'd taken um, over the course of, sort of 10, 15, 20 years. And they were street photos <laughs> in there. But I had no idea that's what I was doing. I, I, I guess I've always had I've always had a camera. Even if I go to the, the shop today, the Ricoh is in my hand. I have the Ricoh. And... It goes everywhere with me. It's like the American Express, never leave home without. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I owe a lot to my friend Helen, who was the one who got me back into, mm-hmm. who got me back into photography. And I even forgot who the photographer was that inspired me. Me and my wife were sitting, I can't remember what I was watching there. You know, we put something on. We was watching some YouTube videos and Bruce Davidson's book Subway came up and I remember saying to my wife that's it that's the book they're the photographs and yeah so my a couple of years back on my birthday I got to spend the weekend with him no way um, he was he was in London uh, at the photo show at Somerset House and I went along to the talk uh met Martin Pyre and David Hunt they were both there so you got <laughs> you sit in the room with Martin Parr, David Hunt and Bruce Davidson it's just surreal Um, and then the following day uh, we was at a gallery and we were sat there chatting with him and his wife just hanging out <laughs> it was, uh, so yeah it's just really really surreal But That's crazy it's one, like you say how that comes back from being that 12 year old child to now being 47 years old and coming full circle almost and meeting the photographer that inspired me to shoot street photography it was incredible to just to be in the man's presence and just listen to him talk and and it, there's a in the book there's a photograph i don't know how well you know uh, Bruce Davenport's photography but there's an amazing photograph in subway where it's it's a gang member and another or it looks like two gang members, Mm -hmm. but he's got a gun. And I remember asking Bruce Davidson about that, and I said, um, every time I look at that photo, I either think it's staged or you've got the biggest pair of brass (laughs) balls that I've ever seen on a man. And he said, no, what it was was um, the gentleman holding the gun was actually an undercover police officer. And that guy that he's got the that he's arresting had just tried to steal um, to rob a rabbi on the New York subway system, and Bruce Davidson just happened to be out with the police officers when that arrest was made. So I was like, "Okay, wow!" <laughs> so to know to know the story behind a particular photograph is just incredible. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I guess when your teacher
1: had told you that you're a street photographer, what did that really mean? Um, I've never really put that to terms. I just figure if you're on the street taking photos, that's sort of my thoughts on it. But I guess he saw something a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I actually had no idea. When he said you're a street photographer, I, I was like, okay. And I guess that's my first step into learning about the different genres of photography that you could be a portrait photographer, a landscaper, a wedding photographer. There were different, you know, and I never thought of it like that. I just thought, well, if you've got a camera, you're a photographer. I, I had no idea there were, you know, titles, genres and things like that. that mm. But street photography is so it's so loose. How do you define that? You, you can't. It's it, I, I think it's impossible to define street photography. I know street photographers that go out in the street and they don't shoot any people but they'll find interesting objects lying in the street. Um, Yesterday I took some photos of some playing cards they were just you know and they were in light so you got all the shadow and a beautiful triangle of light and just these playing cards laying in the path and I just took a photo of that because it just it just looked good, and mm-hmm. it's not going to be there. In fact, I walked past about ten minutes later, and the cards have been blown away in the wind. So nobody else can replicate that shot. So I know street photographers who do that. I know street photographers who do portraiture. They stop people and ask them. You know, I I don't tend to stick to one style of street photography. Mm-hmm. I shoot what I what I like. Um, I've struggled with this a lot recently, where. I was finding myself getting frustrated because I I, I would go and take photographs of something. Um, Recently, I was out with um, some street photographers. Samuel, is it Samuel Lynn? Mm. I think he's a RICO ambassador. And we was out shooting in London and we went to Hyde Park and there were these swimmers that swim in the lakes, doesn't matter what the weather is, and they're in there swimming. And I was getting some great photos. I'm now seeing other photographers that live in London go in there now, taking, you know, doing... And I just think, oh, man, that's so frustrating because I wish more street photographers did what, you know, rather than copying somebody, mm-hmm. just... They did their own thing. And the only way you find what your thing is is to is to go out onto the street and just shoot everything and anything. And then come home, go through your photographs and have a look at which photographs. One photograph in that 100 should stop you dead. And you should look at that photograph and be drawn to it. And that can lead into what you should be photographing. But I I can go out one day, shoot colour, shoot with an 85mm focal length at f1.2. The following day, I'll go out with a Ricoh, shoot 28mm focal length and shoot at f8. I don't limit myself to one or the other. Um, so that those are my two focal lengths. I don't shoot with any other focal length. I either shoot 85 millimeter or 28 millimeter. So you
1: couldn't get any more different if you tried. No kidding. Yeah, those are some really wide ranges. But even so, yeah. on top of the, like, obviously the focal length, you have a lot of varied styles as well. Because you are saying, like, you shoot, you actually have a lot of abstract work on your website. You do a lot of minimal photos and a lot of light and shadow play. Um, Where does that sort of what is what sort of inspires that kind of uh, style, or just the variations of it?
0: You know, it it all depends on the weather. Here in the UK, I mean, today we had (laughs) in one day we had high winds, snow, blizzard, sunny, warm and rain all in one day (laughs) (laughs) and and you know i was out at 7am this morning in the snow absolutely drenched i was frozen i spent two and a half hours out there didn't get a single photograph nothing i took photos but Mm -hmm. they were just terrible so i deleted them all i came home i got dry (laughs) i got warm then i went back out and i went to my local starbucks where uh, I go and I I sit. I write my blogs, that kind of thing in there. Sat by the window, had the Ricoh in my hand, and I was photographing people as they were walking by the window. It like literally, it all depends on on how I feel in the day, what camera I take out. If I take out the the eighty five millimeter focal length, then that will literally usually I'll work on. Uh, probably shooting at f1.2 shooting through windows isolating subjects maybe if, if with cambridge you can get crowds of tourists hmm. and i will literally put the camera in between people from behind them mm-hmm. and i'll look for someone in that little crowd and maybe just isolate a face or something or if i shoot with rico i might find a spot if it's bright and it's sunny and I'll just camp that spot out until the light goes. Just mm-hmm. stay in that one place and just shoot, and maybe you know, just try different angles and and that kind of thing. So there's never a, a plan when I. <laughs> uh, I've tried I've tried to do that, but um, if I have a plan, the plan goes out the window within ten minutes because I'm I, I will see something that will trigger the day, and then I just I just follow it. My consistency in my work is through my edits. So my black and white, no matter whether it's abstract or it's just a street portrait, I always try and get the black and white to look the same. I always get my colours to look the same. So that's where my consistency lies. But um, I've got a couple of friends who shoot a particular style and they can't do what I do. They've been out with me and, and sort of said, how do you switch from that to that to that to that? I don't know if I if I see something I like, I photograph it. I don't think about it. I think too many people worry about the gear, worry about the settings, and and if you're doing that, you're just going to get lost. You're never going to you're never going to sort of focus in and go with your gut, which I think is a big thing. You should you just shoot and you know try not to worry too much. I mean I, I shoot everything in manual. I don't use aperture priority. Or program mode, none of that. I shoot everything manual, mm-hmm. and half the time that includes auto focus as well. I'll switch that off and I'll shoot manual focus, and that just gives me—I'm a control freak, <laughs> so, so I don't like the camera going. No, no, maybe you should do this. It's like no, no, I want to do what I want to do, and yeah, I find it—I inc- find it so much faster to shoot. Like that, and I think that also determines what what I shoot that day. But there's no pattern for when I go out. I literally just go with the flow.
1: That's really cool, and I think it makes sense because I've done some street photography here and in London as well. And you can't really predict, you know, what sort of things you'll encounter or where you're actually going to stand because the light uh, looks nice in a location. It's very fleeting i guess those moments that you're trying to capture which i think is really cool
0: yeah it's very much um i mean the gentleman playing ping pong i've got a shot on my uh, on i think it's on my website it's on it's on my instagram feed and it's just this old chap playing ping pong and it was the end of the day i'd been out for about 12 hours we would walked for about 25 miles um I, I knew I'd already got some really good photos. Hadn't used the 85mm all day. I'd shot with the Ricoh all day. And we were on the way back to the car, and there were some table tennis tables set up in a shopping mall. Shopping mall. And there's this chap, and I, I watched him for a couple of seconds. So much passion. He was, like, really going for it. He looked like McEnroe <laughs> playing tennis, but he's playing table tennis. And I just thought... I've got to get this guy, and I knew straight away that the twenty-eight millimeter wasn't going to cut it. That's when I just pulled the other camera out of my bag, and I took about ten shots. And I got the shot that I got, and it's for me, it's probably one of the best photos I've I've ever taken. That's um, amazing, you know. And I got it at the end of the day. <laughs> never put yeah. your camera away. <laughs> always be re- always be ready to shoot, because uh, you just never know what you're going to see.
1: Totally true. It's it's one thing I know. Whenever I have uh, I'm shooting a video, and I'll turn off my camera and miss the moment because yeah, I just thought you know we're done here.
0: Yep. Yeah. Now I've done it. I, I've done it myself. My hometown. It's very rare I photograph in my hometown. But just walking from my house to the train station or the bus station or something, I'll always have my camera ready to shoot. Always because. I think I've only ever probably less than 10 photographs. I think in all the time I've done, I've walked that, that route. But again, one of them is a gentleman walking towards me and he's carrying a bag and there's a little dog sitting in the bag and all it is is a dog's head sticking out of the bag and that was literally as I was walking to the train station. That's amazing. I just happened to see it, I shot it and I got it. So yeah, I always prepared to, um, to shoot.
1: Mm-hmm. So with that situation, especially with a gentleman passing by, how do you take away the fear of confrontation? Um, Is there something that you do or how do you deal with it when
0: it happens? Uh, For me, I don't think about it. That's the first thing. It never enters my mind. If you start thinking about confrontation, you will never ever get comfortable. You'll never ever take a photograph. It's interesting. I. Back in June, I was out with Sean Tucker, Whoa. and we were, in, we were in London shooting, and Sean lent me his Ricoh GR, and I was like, okay, cool. I had a bit of a play with the settings, and first thing I did was I popped the flash, and this lady was walking past, and she had red glasses on, she had bright red lipstick, she had red cherries hanging from her ears. She was about... Yeah, mid-sixties, something like that, I put the camera within about three centimeters of her face and just took the shot. And she started having a go. 30 seconds after the confrontation, she's calling me a sweetheart and she's walking away laughing. And I remember turning around and Sean, and there were two other photographers, Simon and Harley, and the three of them looked at me and were like, that lady literally wanted to kill you when you took that photograph. How the hell did it go from that to her leaving and calling you a sweetheart? Because I was honest. She stood out from the crowd. To me, she looked beautiful. And I loved the colours. And I wanted to take her photograph. I took her photograph. I was honest. I was up front. And I always, to deal with confrontation the way I deal with it, take the power from from myself and I give it to my subject. So the first thing I will do is I will turn the camera around, show them the photograph, and say, if you'd like me to delete it, ask. But here's why I took it. And then I tell them why I took it. And nine out of ten times, they'll ask for a copy. So just just be upfront. Just be honest about it. Don't try and hide what you're doing. Again, though, if somebody, and I've had it, not many times, but I have had it where someone has kicked off and they're swearing at me, I walk away. Mm-hmm. I just walk away. I won't deal with it. It's I'll give it a couple of seconds and see if i i you will know, just be like, hold on, hold on, let me explain. And if they're still swearing and screaming, fine, I walk off. And if they come after me, I phone the police. The police are on my side, I'm not doing anything wrong. Nine out of 10 times, it doesn't come to that. But that's how I deal with it. I just, I'm upfront, I'm honest. I will show the people the photograph. I'll ask them if they'd like me to delete it. And I had no, I literally have no problem with somebody politely asking me to delete the image, I will delete the image. Because to me, you don't know why that person's asking you to delete. For all you know, they could be in witness protection. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's, you're right. You know, it's, if, if you think about something like that, before you go out and shoot, the first thing is a lot of street photographers will say, well, it's, it's my right to take the photograph yes it's your right to take the photograph but remember street photography is a privilege and that privilege can be taken away at any time so have respect for it and have respect for the people that you're photographing as long as you've got that you'll be a good street photographer and street photography will be around for years Um, so I always try to have that in the back of my head every time I go out on the street.
1: That's awesome. I think it's a really good way to look at it because that's one thing I struggle with. And that's why I shoot with longer focal lengths. (laughs) (laughs) But it's those moments that when you're up close and it really feels like you're in the scene versus, you know, you're looking from a
0: distance. I mean, for example, using Sean, sorry, Sean, if you listen to this, um, but using Sean as an example, again, like who will take a photograph using shadows, light beautiful architecture but he'll put a person in the scene just to show scale you know the way he he shoots is phenomenal I love Sean's work so there are different you don't have to do the in the face photography that I do and it does (laughs) takes a lot a lot of practice and I, I get asked all the time especially with my flash photography aren't you nervous when you do it yes every time every time but you got to be able to read people and pick your subjects, and you know, I mean, the gentleman on my on my Instagram feed who's uh, he's got a cigar, massive cigar, mm-hmm. and he's looking down at me. Well, I saw him coming. I walked straight at him, and when I got within about a foot of him, I dropped to the ground, pointed the camera up, and took his photo. Turned out he was a heavyweight boxer that was having a break in between training with his wife but we got chatting he was a really nice guy and he's got the photograph now I've taken photographs of people before and it's led it's led on to a photography job you know they've asked me to do some portraits of them more but I am nervous whenever I approach somebody I'll see somebody one time and I'll think no that guy's going to kick off He he's going to hit me something's going to go I'll tell you, I want it I want the photograph and I'll go after them and I'll just take the photo and I'll most of the time the person's like what the hell (laughs) and then you have a conversation with the person you show them your work and uh, they end up following you Mm -hmm. because they like what you do so it's it's interesting just don't be frightened um
1: that's really cool actually to hear that you know the person you stuck a photo in eventually says hey i'd love to get more photos taken yeah yeah Yeah,
0: I've i've got so I've lost count how many people that that has literally, how many times that has happened to me, that the the people that I photograph have ended up as friends purely because (laughs) I took the photograph in the street. Um, I did it with a gentleman in Leicester Square a couple of years back and uh, turned out he was a street photographer. Whoa. (laughs) I had no idea. And it also turned out he was a huge movie geek and we'd been friends without even realising it on two movie forums that we used to, that we'd been frequenting for ten years. That's insane. And that and that was how we met in person. Was I took his photo, took his photo, then I went into a coffee house to go to the toilet, and when I came out, he was stood there. When I came out, and he said, "I want a word." You took my bloody picture, so I said, Yeah, I did. And I thought, Great, he's gonna, he's gonna. So he says, Can I have a look? I showed it, and he said, Show you something. He pulls his camera out of his pocket. I'm a street photographer as well. We got chatting, and then when he showed me his name, you're not on the AV forums and the import forums, are you? He was like, Yeah, and then we just, and then that was it. And we realized we'd been messaging for years. But that was how we met on the street. How mad is that?
1: That's such a cool story.
0: One in in a million chance. It's just crazy. It's crazy, the stuff that can happen. And over the last couple of years, the amount of photographers I've met, the amount of great friends I've got now who are just amazing at what they do. This is going to sound so big-headed, and it really isn't meant to sound, sound like this, but... Chinatown and Soho in London, I cannot walk five minutes in in one of those areas and I've been stopped at least three times. People, other photographers recognising me. So I tend to avoid the areas. (laughs) Uh, You said um, a gentleman from Winnipeg and that was how you found it. How? That blows my, that absolutely blows my mind that someone in Winnipeg just happens to mention and the next thing I'm doing a po- how is that possible
1: it's crazy to fathom how like again like this hobby that you've, has sort of come back to your life really connected a lot of these people it's it's really cool in
0: that way yeah, I, I, yeah it still <laughs> blows my mind it, it really does <laughs> someone told me 10 years ago that I would have been where I am now doing you know doing workshops, doing photo walks, being in print uh, numerous times, and, uh, I would have said they were crazy. I would have said they were crazy. The fact I've got a, a blog and uh, me writing, I, I'm dyslexic. I'm not even sure how the hell I write those blogs half the time. It blows my mind. It really does.
1: That's awesome. I think I lo- that's the one thing I love about photography. Yeah. So You avoid Soho and Chinatown. What's your favorite place to
0: photograph in? If you would have asked me that last year, I would have said the Tate Modern, um, which is on the South Bank. Um, I have been fascinated with that building for many, many years. And I think I spent 50% of last year in that building. You know there were days when i would go in there and shoot in there for 12 14 hours straight there's something about that building i don't know what it is it feels alive it feels organic when you go in there and it's constant because of all obviously of all the exhibitions that go on in there it's constantly changing yeah it's just incredible and they just had the uh now i'm, I'm more than more than likely going to butcher this but Mm -hmm. his name was Olaf Ellison and he's just had an exhibition which finished uh, at the end of last year and you've probably seen hundreds of photos of the orange fog room and Mm -hmm. it was just this long 60 meter long room that was full of fog most of the time you couldn't see your hand in front of your face Uh, the fog was created using sugar and water and I used to camp out. You you were meant to. The doors opened, you walk in, and you're meant to walk right the way through and then out the other end. And I would camp in there for an hour at a time and just frighten the hell out of people. <laughs> 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 so walking through. Um, but I was just, man, I was so drawn to that exhibition. And to the point, actually, where I, I got a membership. I signed up for a membership in there because I just figured... Yeah, why not? Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, man, the Tate, the Tate Modern is just incredible. But now I'm looking for somewhere new Mm, to go and shoot in London. Canary Wharf is a really good area. There's not too many photographers go there, mostly because of security. Right. There's a lot of banks at Canary Wharf, but the security there are amazing. They're so helpful. And they'll come across, they'll ask you what you're doing, show them what you're doing don't lie and security are like oh, okay you guys have a great day you've got two or three rules you're not allowed to photograph any of the security cameras don't photograph the front doors of any buildings or through any windows so as long as you abide by those three rules you can shoot in canary wharf and i'll tell you now the security guards there are fantastic so nice so easy to shoot around there especially in bright sunlight Bright sunlight canary wharf wow it's a photographer's Mm -hmm. dream how
1: do you stay motivated like i feel like as a street photographer you tend to do the same things every day right um (laughs) and you're telling me you're
0: shooting like 12 to 14 hours straight yeah the longest i shot and i wrote a blog about it was 40 hours 30 minutes with non-stop uh in fact that was when samuel when I met up with Samuel and I did the swimmers. So when we were at Hyde Park and we were watching the swimmers at the Serpentine, I'd already been up at that point 30 hours. (laughs) And that's in the winter, and we were just up all night. And a young Russian uh, lad, a Russian photographer uh, joined me named Vladimir. He was the only one crazy enough to say, yeah, do you know what? Let's do it. But yeah, I think I arrived in London, 7 a.m. Saturday morning and I got back home at 11.30pm Sunday night so I went right the way through no sleep what? yeah (laughs) it's it's just one of those things sometimes you just get the the adrenaline to do it you just Mm -hmm. think do you know what I haven't been to London for a couple of weeks let's go and the funny thing was I had a friend of mine three friends um that one friend in particular who made up a bed I was on the I was travelling up to London he sent me a video and he said there you go I've got your room ready I've made you a bed and and we'll, you know we'll get some food in and, and whatnot and I was like yeah that sounds great then I had another friend who basically said you can crash at mine then another friend who said hey I've made you the spare bed and I didn't bother I just stayed up all night
1: <laughs>
0: and even my wife said are you nuts and I was like yeah, kind of, <laughs> but it was fun. It was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the end of it, I was I was absolutely. It took me about two or three days to recover from it. But it was it was a lot of fun. And in fact, I've been talking to a friend of mine today and saying, "Yeah, man, let's do that. Let's let's do like you know another thirty hours." <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, we'll do it in the summer, dude. Yeah, <laughs> not doing it in the winter." And I was like, "But." you can do it in the winter and just because the tube runs 24 7 over the weekend so in actual fact you don't have to be outside you can actually just ride the tube and i got some amazing photos on the underground that morning so there's there's just tons of ways to do it that's what i love about london there's just so much to there's so much to photograph mm-hmm. and street photographers in london Tend to go to the same areas, which is Piccadilly, Oxford Street, Soho, and Chinatown, and they just don't seem to venture outside of that. But that's like that's two percent of that city. There's just so much more. So I, I've started heading out into the suburbs now. That's to amazing shoot, to find. Just to find something. Good light is good light. It doesn't matter where you are. In fact two years ago i went to edinburgh in scotland and that was my first time going up there it was me my wife and my son and we said we're going to go up for christmas we'll go out for a week over christmas and my son was shooting photography a little bit and we got up there and i was like a deer in headlights couldn't shoot i'd gone up there with such such wide expectations and I could not photograph, couldn't focus, Just it it just didn't happen. So I decided to go back up the start of this year, and I went back up for a week, still couldn't shoot, (laughs) struggled. And I think I had it in my head that the photographs were going to look like Edinburgh. They were going to look Scottish, and that's not the case. And what Edinburgh has taught me is that you can get a good photo anywhere it doesn't matter if you're in new york city or if you're in sydney or you're in Bury, St. Evans and Evans in suffolk a good photo will always present itself you need good light and good subject as long as you yeah, as long as you've got that you'll get a good photograph and the proof of that was yesterday i only shot for an hour yesterday and i came back with 36 images so when i hear i hear photographers all the time say ah oh, you know i get one good image a month okay and I don't understand how. I can understand landscape photographers saying things like that or wildlife photographers or something that, you know, that, I mean, they could go... I, I, I've i got friends who do wildlife photography and they've said they can go a whole year and not get a good photo. And I can believe that. From the, but from street photography?
1: I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's just so much going on and you... Again, I like the idea of you know you going to the suburbs instead of the common places. Yeah. Like, I've never shot street photography in the suburban area of the city. So that's actually very interesting to, to do something I,
0: like that. Yeah, but you've only got to find, you've literally just got to find one street, which has a half decent background to it, but has good light. So if you've got light coming in and you can, I mean, even if the background sucks, you get your exposure right, you can drop the background into darkness. And then you just need one person to come through or a mm-hmm. couple of people, just something to happen in that light. As long as you've got good sunlight and good shadows and that kind of thing, you can make a great photograph. And being in the suburbs as well, you got, if you think about it, you've got uh, trash collectors. They're working in that area. you got postmen's working in that area. you got, you know, families coming in and out of home. Back, you know, going out to work, coming home from work, all that kind of thing. You've got all the little independent shops where, you know, someone might go just to go and get some milk or something. And that's, that to me is street photography. That, I guess that's that's doing the abstract stuff where you do the harsh shadows and the contrasts and all that kind of thing. Great. But street photography, in the purest sense, is someone going for some milk, you know, mm-hmm. it, it could be a guy. Uh, we get it. Uh, there's a gentleman here in the town. I see it all the time. I photographed him a few times. He goes to the local supermarket, and he's wearing pajamas. He's got his um, he's got his robe on, and he's wearing slippers that are four sizes too big for him. You know, and his pajama bottoms are like way too small. And he goes to the supermarket. He buys, every time he goes in there, he buys 25 cans. I'm not making this up. 25 cans of 7-Up. And he'll buy 30 copies of one newspaper, 20 copies of another magazine. And then he will literally wheel that home with a shopping trolley. (laughs) I have no idea what he's doing. I have no idea what he's doing with any of that stuff. But... There's this one character that does that. That, to me, is street photography. He's capturing that guy and having the story behind (laughs) him. You know, or there's another gentleman in Cambridge. They call him music bags. And again, not making this up, he looks like he's on, I don't know what kind of drugs. He really, he's totally spaced out. But what he has is an old 1980s ghetto blaster in a plastic carrier bag dangling off the handlebars of his bicycle, and all he does all day long, and I'm not joking, all day long, you could be up at Cambridge at 10 o'clock in the morning see him, and at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, he'll come cycling past you again. He's got it turned up so loud, you hear him coming before you see him, <laughs> and it's heavy metal, 80s heavy metal, and all he does is cycle around in a circle all day, and every so often, he'll stop and have a smoke, how he's got the energy <laughs> to do it. But again, you photograph him and he's he's somebody that the locals all know. And the locals, they'll hear him come and they'll go, there he is. And he'll come cycling past. But you'll see the tourists react to him because they're, they're wondering what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. That to me is street photography. But it's pure sense because that guy's got a story. And I have spoken to him. As well, I have stopped him, and I've took his portrait. I've got candid shots of him, and I've got portrait shots of him. He doesn't even know. He can't even explain it himself. And (laughs) half the time, he can't. And half the time, he can't even understand him. What a great character! Everyone in Cambridge. If you put a picture of that on the internet, nobody would understand. But you put a picture of that in a gallery in Cambridge, and all the locals would understand it. They'd all get it. So it's amazing how a photograph can work in one medium, but not work in another. Mm -hmm. And I love that as well. That's so cool. Do you ever crop your photos? This is interesting. I don't like cropping photographs, (laughs) hate it. Get the image, get it in camera. That's your image. If you're mindful of your composition when you're taking the photograph, you won't need to crop it. Now, I'm a bit OCD. So if I take a photograph, I always try and get it straight in camera. So I've got a a leveller that comes up and I always try to get that bloody line green (laughs) before I take the image. Sometimes it's not. So I'll straighten an image and that'll crop it. You might lose like 10% of the image. Right. That, to me, is acceptable. Now, all of this comes, if you'd have asked me this about four or five weeks ago. Now... I have been shooting with a friend of mine, uh, Matt, who's a photographer in Cambridge. You probably know him as the 13th Second on Instagram. Um, And if you don't know him, search him out. He's, He's a phenomenal photographer. Matt, I sent him a couple of photographs, and Matt was like, dude, you need to crop these. And I was like, no, totally against it. And then he cropped them for me and sent them back. And I was like, I really, I just, I remember sending him a message back saying, I really hate you, Matt, because it worked. The crop worked. I guess the trick is, yes, by all means, crop an image and edit an image. The the two things are the same. So using like um, Lightroom and Photoshop to to edit your images and crop them, your image should not look like it's been cropped and it should not look like it's been edited. Mm. It should look pure when you put it up. There are too many people that will take a shot. Usually you find it's people that don't understand photography. And, you know, they're just, they've just they bought a camera and they, they haven't got a clue what they're doing. And they'll crop an image 80%. And then I, I've had it with students who've literally shown me an image and I've, I've said it'd be a really nice image if it wasn't heavily cropped. And they'll look at me and go, how did you know? Your photo's breaking up. Look at the noise in the photograph. Look at it. You've cropped this heavily. This is like an 80% crop. Don't do that. If you're going to edit your images, don't make them look like they're edited. A perfect example, actually, of the edits is, as a photograph I I took, and I was out with a group when I did it, and everybody's taking this photograph, and I'm looking on, on as people are taking the photograph, and I kept saying to everyone, look just point your camera at him and just mess around with your aperture or your shutter speed you know slow it down speed it up and see what you can get because the great thing about a mirrorless camera is as you move your settings you'll see what you see on the back or through the viewfinder is what you're going to get and nobody could understand what i was trying to get at and i wouldn't show them everyone kept saying well show me yours show me a note (laughs) <laughs> and I waited, it was two hours later, the opportunity's gone, we're sitting in the pub at this point, and someone brought it up and said, can we see that image? And I was like, oh yeah, sure, and I flicked it, turned, found it on the camera, turned the camera around, showed everyone, and their jaws hit the floor, and nobody could understand how I'd done it, and what I'd done was, there was just one, you know, one person in a photograph, with a very noisy background, too much going on, a car, people walking past, a restaurant and all that. You can't see any of that in the photograph. All you see is the gentleman because the sunlight was coming in, lighting him up and everything else was black behind him. So you get your exposure right in camera. You don't need to do any editing. Mm -hmm. You can put that photo straight up. But the second I put it online, I get messages off people saying that's been heavily edited. And you're like well it hasn't here's the raw file if you go crop an image more than 30 percent bin it
1: because
0: <laughs> you got it wrong so allow yourself about 25 30 percent but if you'd have asked like i say if you'd have asked me that about five six weeks ago i would have said absolutely not um <laughs> That's funny. there was it's in fact i've had i've done a lot of live videos on instagram And that subject has come up more than any (laughs) other subject, I think. And I've always been against it, always. And it was Matt, the 13th second. I'm blaming him. (laughs) It's really, I think it makes sense.
1: I think it's important to get your image right as best as you can out of camera so that you, well, one, it's less work for you to edit, but also it just, it looks that much nicer and a lot more
0: Yes, absolutely. The other thing with it is as well is that, Along with that crop question, I always get asked about, you know, how can I... Because until I got my Ricoh, for three years, I'd shot with the 56mm, which is an 85mm equivalent focal length. And even Fujifilm would ask me, people from Fujifilm had said to me, how are you shooting with just that one lens? And it's like, well, if you want to become a better photographer, one focal length pick a focal length stick with it for a couple of years you'll master it and people will say yeah but you're limited I don't think I am I don't feel limited like when I go out I might go to Cambridge over the weekend I'll look at the weather if the weather's going to be sunny and dry I'll take just the Ricoh and I'll make the Ricoh work all day if it's going to be raining and miserable I'll take the Fuji and I'll make the Fuji work I don't I'm not one of those, you won't see me switching lenses, but I'd go out with other photographers and they're carrying a backpack and they've got eight lenses in it. And I'm thinking, but how can you concentrate on the shooting side if you're thinking, oh my God, I want to get that scene, but I want that focal length. But by the time you change focal lengths, that scene's gone and another one's appeared, but you want the other focal length to go. Mm-hmm. Just stick with one, stick with one. If you want to get closer, get closer. If you want to get further away, get further away. I love you know, that. Obviously, there are times. Obviously, there are times when you can't do that, like a busy road or a river.
1: But. <laughs> yeah, let's not get people walking into the Thames here. But <laughs> it's it's true. It's moving yourself. I think is huge. And I mean, I've definitely understood the feeling of only using one lens for the longest time. And
0: yeah, my photography teacher drilled that into us. That was his one big thing: pick a focal length, stick with it. You can discover what that is as you know. In the first couple of weeks, first couple of months, you're shooting. You you'll know whether you want to you want to go wide or you want to get tight. Mm-hmm. You'll know what it is you want to do, and then just as soon as you've honed in on what the look and the style and what it is you want to do, one focal length and just stick to it.
1: I love it. Do you? Is there a difference in the way you see black and white and color photos?
0: I. Okay, when I shoot, I only see in black and white. In fact, when I shoot, my, if you look on the back of my screen, it's monochrome. There's no color. I turn the color off. So if I'm shooting with Fuji, I'll shoot with the Acros setting. And if I'm shooting with the Ricoh, I sh- I've got a black and white setting that I've edited to what I want it to look like. So when I'm out, or well, I'll only tend to look in monochrome. I get, this harks back to where when I started, I shot everything with HP5 monochrome film. So I kind of got used to seeing everything. If I I take pictures in color and then look in the back of the screen, I might delete them because they look look cluttered. Don't get me wrong. I'll see someone walking towards me carrying a red balloon and I'll I'll be drawn to the red, but I'll take the picture in monochrome because obviously I've got, I shoot JPEG and RAW. So I know when I get back to the computer, I've still got it in color. So I do, I do look for colors when mm. I'm on the street, but I never like to look at the back of the camera and see color because I end up deleting it. Interesting. It's really weird. I, I, I don't know why. I, I the photograph I took, which everyone seems to love is the, the lady in the window at Starbucks and half the image is yellow and she's got her hand up behind the yellow, but she's got yellow fingernails, and her coat's almost the yellow as well. Mm -hmm. And she was just sitting there. When I took the photograph and looked at it on the back of the camera, it was black and white. But I knew I had something. I knew I had it in colour, and I knew it was perfect in colour. And when I got home and I saw that image, I was just like, that's colour. Done. (laughs) So it's interesting that it's... Yeah, I get it all the time. People will say to me, oh, my God, did you get that person in the red? I'll be like, I think so. Can I can I have a look? No, because it's going to be black and white. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you'll have to wait. I'll send you it when I, when I get out of the so fascinating, yeah. Yeah, I, I see everything in monochrome, but I am also looking for colour when I'm out on the street. So a flash of blue, a flash of red, and I'm in like a moth to a light bulb. But yeah, on the back of the camera, it's just it's just monochrome. That's so cool. Like when i when I edit a photograph, I did get asked a lot: How do I decide between a black and white and a color mm-hmm. on the edit? And you can with a monochrome photograph, you can. It's a lot easier for when the subject is looking at when someone is looking at your photograph. Their eyes go straight to where you want it to go to if i look at a color image and my eyes are going from left to right to up to down i think there's too much going on the colors distracting monochrome if on the other hand, when i look at an image and it's in color and my eye goes straight to the subject straight to what i want what i photographed i leave it in color because it's not nothing else is distracting in the image so as long as the image isn't the color isn't distracting color Mm -hmm. unless again you you can take a a color image that looks black and white but have maybe i mean i've I've got an image somewhere um i was looking at today I almost posted it today actually on instagram the image itself looks black and white there's dark shadows bright highlights but as the person's walking into the light they're carrying a red bag and the sunlight has just caught the red so it it actually the photograph, even though it's not, because I I'm totally against selective color, but that's what it looks like, even though it's not. Interesting. It's a it's a color photograph, but the only thing that was color in it was this one little bag, um, and your eye goes straight to that bag, which is where I want you to, where I want your eye to go. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to do anything with that image. That image is it's there. It's done. But yeah, most until I bought, until I got the Fuji, a Fuji film actually, my first Fuji film four years ago, I shot everything in monochrome. You never would have seen a color photo from me. Interesting, not at all. But Fuji film, classic chrome, that got me shooting color, <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that a camera manufacturer of all things could actually get me to shoot color rather than monochrome. But yeah, until then. Every single photograph you'd have seen from me would have been monochrome.
1: That's amazing. And I think it's very important to, well, I guess one cool way to look at it is whether or not your eyes are going straight to where I want it to go versus, yeah, um, because that is the point of those photos, right? Is to draw attention to something, to tell that story Absolutely. instead of just the colors taking away.
0: Yeah. You should have, you know, a photograph should, uh, the second you show somebody the photograph, they eye. Right. If you've done a good job with it, that person's eye should go to exactly what you saw when you took that image. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was my cousin who, funny enough, lives in Toronto. Um, He he used to work for CBS and he was a photographer. He was a war journalist for CBS. So he used to go all over the place. Um, He he was out in Iraq with the, the Blackhawks and that photograph and all of that. And I remember about eight years ago, he came come to the UK. First time I'd seen him in ages. And I was showing him some of my photography at the time. And I was showing him this one picture of this lady, which I liked. And she was standing, in the, standing right on the edge of the path near the road. And she was selling like this homeless magazine. And I showed it to my cousin. He said, well, why do you like that? And I was like, because look, she's pointing to the road. Uh, who's she trying to sell that to? The cars as the driving mm-hmm. by? It's Just it interested me. And he said, you see how I had to ask you? And I was like, yeah, he said, delete the image. It's a load of rubbish. Doesn't tell a story. Mm-hmm. You've had to explain it. If you're having to explain the photograph, the photograph doesn't work. Now, if I looked at the photograph and said, well, that woman's, why is she pointing out towards the road with that? Then the photograph works. He said, but I had to ask. He said, therefore, it doesn't work. And I was like, whoa, major like awakening at that point where it was like, damn. And that then that resonates with me when I'm out on the street. His voice. I hear it. I hear his voice. I hear my photography teacher's voice when I'm out on the street. um, I can hear him in the back of my head. You know, why? I'll lift the camera. Why are you taking that image? That'd be my photography teacher's voice. Why are you taking that image? (laughs) Because he, the way we were taught was, the first six months we would go out to shoot. We were never allowed a camera. He'd have the camera in his hand, and we had to walk around using our a thumb and a finger to create a viewfinder, a little square, and look at the world through that. Then we would tell him what to take. He would take the image, turn to you, and say, "Why." And if you couldn't give him a good enough reason, he charged you for, for you know, <laughs> you wasted his time. He was a vicious bastard. He really was. And so you had to have a really good reason as to why you just wasted his time. Because not only was he wasting his time, but he was wasting his film as well. And he wasn't impressed. You literally had to give him a very good reason as to why he just pressed the shutter button. And believe you me, he'd have a go at you on the street then in the next photography class, when he developed and printed it, he'd have a go at you there as well. And he'd charge you for the paper. He would literally charge you fifteen pence for the sheet of paper. You know? But that that's that's how we learn. And yeah.
1: It makes so much sense to ask yourself why you're taking that photo. It's so easy now to snap yeah. photos like it's all digital, you can just put it in burst and it's it's not gonna cost you anything. But To think about it, again, like the same idea of it's why you don't end up having to crop is because you thought about how you angled everything, and it's very intentional. Exactly. What do you think makes you unique as a street photographer? I don't think
0: there's anything that makes me unique. I really don't. Um, I love that answer. Yeah. It's... Do you think there's anything that makes me unique? (laughs) I don't see it. I, I really don't. I, In fact, I'll be completely honest. I look at my images and I think they're crap. I don't see what people see in them. I really don't. I, I think I've maybe taken four really good images. It, it astonishes me when I get messages of people saying, wow, man, you really inspired me. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, no, I don't think there's anything that makes me, I, I don't know. I think someone else needs to tell me that because I just don't <laughs> see it. Uh, it's funny because, like, there's a friend of mine, Christian, who I shoot with a lot. And <laughs> I could go out and shoot with Christian. I think I've got great shots. I'll, I'll look through the back of my camera as I'm on the train traveling home. By this point, Christian's sending me photographs through the messages going, what do you think of this one, this one? And I'm going through mine, and then I'm looking at what's coming through on my phone. hmm and I'm just thinking, I'm going to format the card. He's like, "Minor crap. What the hell? But the funny thing is Christian will then say, I'll start sending Christian photographs and Christian will be like, I'm just going to delete mine. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I don't know. I, there's <laughs> nothing, I, I think I've got a uniqueness in the way I shoot and the way I approach street photography. I don't know whether or not my photographs have, there, there must be something there, I just don't know what it is. I really don't.
1: There definitely must be. Me. I mean, a lot of people are very compelled to look at your photos, and again, you have inspired tons of people. Especially like the fact that we're sitting in this conversation right now, yeah. Through your yeah. photography, right, um, really shows that it is there. And I mean, you're a very humble guy, um, as far They're as I can by, tell. you
0: know. For me, it's for me. Most artists, uh, they never like their own stuff, and I don't. Mm -hmm. I absolutely don't. I I went out, like I say, I went out today, I shot in the snow. I deleted them off the computer. I think they're still on the SD card because I I might have formatted it. I don't know. But Matt then sent me over some he got. And I I was looking at Matt's and I was thinking, I quite like what Matt's got. I think I've got some that are similar. Maybe I should have deleted (laughs) (laughs) Very harsh. Very harsh on those Yeah. Yeah. So if I don't, if I, if nothing grabs me, I've done portrait shoots before where I've come home, messaged the model, Shane, a friend of mine, Shane, amazing guy, um, and I've shot, like did a whole photo shoot with Shane, came home and said, man, these things are terrible, I'm deleting them. And he was like, what the hell was that for eight hours today? What do you mean you're deleting them? And I'm like, <laughs> they're awful. And then I'll leave it for a week, I'll come back to them, and I still think they're awful. But I'll go through and I'll edit like a 100 that I that I think, yeah, okay, these are okay. Mm-hmm. And I'll send them to Shane and he'll <laughs> message me going, what are you, nuts? These, these are amazing. And I'm like, ah, yeah, but that's not right. And I wish I'd have done that. And I'll send them to another friend of mine, Tom, who's an amazing wedding photographer. And I'll say to him, man, I blew this. I want to give the guys money back <laughs> for the portrait shoot. And Tom's looking at him going, but what's wrong with him? I just, yeah, I'm. I, I am my my my, yeah, my own worst critic. Definitely
1: <laughs> sounds that way, and I think I can relate with. That. And most people,
0: most artists, I definitely. Most, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter whether you're a sculptor, a or painter, or whatever you are. As an artist, I don't feel as if I've taken the best photograph I can take. And you asked earlier what motivates to keep going out. And I think that's it. It's the fact that I still haven't taken what I would say is, that's it. There it is. That's the best photograph I've ever taken. That's the best photograph I'm ever going to take. And that's the motivation. That's also the motivation as to why I keep going back to the same sort of areas mm-hmm. you know i might i might find an area in cambridge um in fact i have there's a brand new area in cambridge and it's got beautiful light when the sun is out oh my god the light and i still haven't got the photograph i want and i've been sh- i've been shooting in this spot all year every day when there's good light i'm there and i'll spend two hours literally leant up against the wall trying to get something and I still haven't got the photograph that's in my head that I want, but I'll keep going for it. It's, I don't know. I think that's what motivates is the fact that in my own head, if I was coming home every day with photographs going, "That's ah, the best photograph I've ever taken. And, wow. Look at that. And I'm so great. What the hell's the point in going out shooting anymore? <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's so crazy to hear this, because, like, I was go- we were going through your photos, like, oh, that's the photo, that's good, oh, look at that, like, that's insane, that's the one. And here you are. these are all crap.
0: Can I ask <laughs> <Yeah>. which ones?
1: <laughs> which ones, Harley? Yeah, up. Uh,
0: like, because I, honestly, I... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really, it's really funny. Actually, there's a photograph. I think it's the fourth photograph, and it's got the city of London. There's a gentleman wearing a hat, and I was like, "Ah, that'll do." And I put it up, and people I've got like people comments and everything, and I'm like, "Really, that photograph?" <laughs> <laughs> and then I put one up, but I think, do you know I actually like that? Nothing. You don't get any comments on it it just goes and completely just people just complete. And I'm like, but that photo, that's, that's a good photo, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and then I start questioning the photograph and thinking, yeah, maybe it does suck. <laughs> that's I, I'd be interested to know which ones you, which ones you, you like. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah. We'll definitely send, send it through you uh, on Instagram and it's yeah. <laughs> Cause you're just looking at like, yep. That's the photo. That's the one. And then you're, you you can never say that I oh, took the best photo. And I think that's part of part of it is because we're always getting better the more we do things. Yes, yes. And we're always seeing how much better
0: it can be. I thought I was having the best year of my life last year, and I've already started taking pictures this year. And going back to the photos that I took last year and going that sucks. And so does that one. And there's I've deleted so much work so many photographs and I'm constantly being told to stop doing that you know, in 2018 I spent a year shooting in Starbucks one tiny little Starbucks if you've ever watched any of the live videos I've done from there it is tiny Mm -hmm. and I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to go out it was a really, we had some of the best weather we've ever had and I wasn't allowed out in it due to my heart so it was a case of, no, if you go out there, you're going to end up in hospital. And the few times I did go out, I ended up in hospital. But, <laughs> so I had to sit in Starbucks and I started taking pictures in there, not for anything Oh, The only reason I started taking photos of in there was if you go a period of time without shooting, you start to lose, it sounds really corny, but you start to lose your edge it'll take forever to get back into that position where you were, you know, you're shooting. So I just figured it's the old um, Robert De Niro in Heat. I need to be, I need to stay sharp on the edge where I need to be. And it's it's that. It's mm-hmm. So I started taking photographs and I thought, I'm never going to share these with anyone, but I just need to make sure I can still get, do what I do. It turned into a year long project, which I'm trying to put together as a book. The only problem is... I did the shooting t- I did the whole thing in 2018. I still every so often take a photograph in there. But I've started looking back through the photographs. I could I've got five and a half thousand photos edited that I shot in Starbucks over that year. And do you know what? I could delete the lot. Whoa. And it wouldn't bother me. It wouldn't bother me. I could just delete them and I, I need someone before i do something stupid like that i need someone to take those images and actually select the 60 <laughs> or 70 for a book yeah
1: that's it's, so cool yeah we'll definitely send you the photos that we thought were like yeah these are yeah really yeah sick. please do and um, i guess just to kind of wrap things up is how can anybody that's listening follow and support your
0: work that's a really good question. Um, my Instagram handle is john.hughes.photography. Um, I think that's the same for my YouTube channel, except I don't go over there. There's nothing on there. Uh, <laughs> it sucks. I'm trying not to live, but I, I am hopefully going to do more videos, uh, POV videos when I'm on the street. Awesome. And my website's um, johnhughesphotography.uk. Awesome. I've got blog, I I, I release a blog. I try to do one every couple of weeks, mm-hmm. uh, forgive the writing. I am dyslexic, but they're, they're pretty much the way I speak is the way I write, which I know is completely wrong. Um, <laughs> but, it's the, but it's the only thing I, I do have a couple of friends that actually help with, uh, punctuation and that kind of thing. But yeah, they are the two places you can find me is Instagram and, um, and on my website. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for doing this and taking the time
1: to speak with yeah. us. It's super cool to hear from someone. I, I, I should be thanking
0: you. Trust um, me. I should be thanking you. Yeah, it means a lot that you reached out to me. It really does mean a lot that you you like my work. The people that I've got that comment, that follow, you guys are the ones that keep me on Instagram. 100%. Otherwise, I would have deleted it a long, long time ago. <laughs>
1: that's awesome well thanks so much again john and uh yeah well no uh... worries thank you (laughs) thanks again for listening to the episode consider giving us a rating on itunes and subscribing or following the podcast if you found this valuable to your creative pursuits share this episode with your friends and send us a message on instagram at 2m creative labs we want to hear from you and how this episode helped you out and we will see you in the next one